Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, Answers for Healing and Infinite Love, which shares stories of spiritual communication, healing energies, miracles, and ways to enhance your intuition, relationships, and awareness of universal energy. I am delighted to welcome Pastor Tobin Crenshaw, author of The Beautiful Lie, as he offers a way to find faith in a world that seems to have gone mad. Hello, Pastor Crenshaw, and thank you for joining us today on Healing from Within. Oh, thank you very much. Very pleased to be here. Thank you. Pastor Tobin, as listeners of Healing from Within are well aware, my distinguished guests and I share intimate stories and insights into both our physical and spiritual worlds as we seek to merge the best of both and live with tried and true remnants of our soul memories that help us to understand, maneuver, and create our best lives as we find truth and trust in the bigger plan, both individually and collectively, for our evolving world. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Pastor Crenshaw shares an unusual story of how almost 20,000 pastors who leave the ministry every year, and he joined that group in 2009 and developed a deep spiritual journey while working full-time in the criminal justice field. Five years later, a quadruple homicide led him back to the pulpit. He will explore the six human needs that drive all human behavior and uh, discover how to experience lasting joy and the best tools for improving marriage and life in general. Tobin, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, a place, an event, a value, something that may have shown them or others the life path they would follow as an adult and the values they might embrace. So think back for a minute. How did it all begin for you? I'd probably say the person that had the most influence uh, would be my mom. Uh, she kind of raised me and my brothers just as a single mom and she would tell us all the time we could be anything we wanted to be and she would always encourage us in that and didn't matter if we had uh, bad grades at school good grades at school she would always come back and say you can be anything that you want to be just always showing that support and that uh, unconditional love i'd say uh, going back to just thinking back to childhood just remembering it was just a common theme we heard in our house i know a lot of people have a lot of uh, things that were said maybe when they were growing up that were critical or mm -hmm. kind of set yeah. them on a place where they have that voice now to remember kind of that identity they got from somebody saying what they couldn't do. But fortunately, our mom, she was always there saying that uh, we could do anything we put our mind to. Well, I think we're, we're starting to see that uh, since there are 65% divorces and most of the children being raised in single-family uh, households, that can present a problem to some children. But you say uh, you and you had brothers? Yes, yes. Uh, two that uh, grew up with and uh, another brother that uh, he was older than me, so he was kind of out of the house by the time I was born. But yes, yes. So your mother must have been extraordinary to 
to deal with that and give you the love which led you to want to merge your physical life because you were in the justice system, you were a Marine, so you lived a very physical aspect of your life, but you also loved God and you wanted to help people and merge the two. So you have an extraordinary beginning. Yes, absolutely, and I appreciate you sharing that, and it absolutely something I don't take for granted. Uh, grew up in a very nice town as well, and, and just being able to appreciate uh, good teachers and friends as, as well as what my mom did. And just and other relatives? For that. Did you have other relatives also who created a family for you? Uh, very close to uh, my grandmother, yes, that uh, passed, but uh, we were very, very close, absolutely. She was another person that always uh, encouraging, always happy. She would actually, when I came to the door, would uh, would clap. <laughs> she was very excited to see me, so absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm hysterical at that because I have seven grandchildren, and I do that too. <laughs> I'm just delighted by every one of them, and, and all people for that matter, so that's beautiful. Yes. Now, let's <laughs> get you. back to why did you become a pastor when you did in the beginning, and why did you leave in 2009? As I was preparing to go into the Marine Corps, I just kind of had some spiritual awakenings and started to do a, a lot of reading, listen to a lot of spiritual speakers and sermons, and just felt very connected to that and wanted to to share that same type of ministry when I got out of the Marine Corps. And once I became a pastor, I did it for 10 years and loved to teach. That's something I still do today. But during that 10 years, there's also an aspect of religion that uh, I would not be in agreement with. And some of the people that were in leadership positions and some of the other pastors, a number of them, it was not something they really believed in what they were doing. They just found themselves in that job. Maybe it was a position they applied for that they thought they could fill, or some just thought it was a, a better salary than what they got. And I saw enough of that and enough of the kind of problems that churches face when they deal with staff members that are not committed, staff members that are using that position for money or power. Mm -hmm. So I kind of stepped away from that to get away from any of the official position as a pastor. And uh, five years I spent then in criminal justice. I'd done military police work in the Marine Corps, so it was kind of familiar. And uh, doing that for the five years, and met uh, some people that really seemed to make some big changes that I worked with. And there was a, one particular gentleman that seemed to do really well as he was getting ready to be released from the prison system. He had done very well with life skill classes, getting a job, signed up for college, did everything kind of right and got an early release and uh, seemed to be the the person that everybody could look up to they could make the positive change out of a criminal background but short time after he was finally released out of all probationary requirements he was the one involved in the quadruple homicide and I realized that people can hide very well some of that real darkness inside they can put mm. on that face and I saw some of that uh, like I said some of the ministers that could maybe smile on Sunday morning but what was taking place inside was a whole different story. So yeah. I started to think about coming back to the, the pulpit, not as an official paid position with a full-time salary, 
but continue to work in the criminal justice system, take some of the lessons I learned from being a pastor, working with some people in the prison, and, and kind of combine those to teach that on a, a weekly basis, some of the deeper ways that people can really find spiritual truth, transformation, and not just talk about maybe making a change, but really make it happen. Well, you know, for a long time, uh, I didn't really know what it meant to be spiritual. I didn't really know what it meant to be religious either, except that you followed a lot of rules, some of them which I intuitively knew were not right and and were being used for power and control issues. Uh, uh-huh. But I have learned, as I think you have, that uh, spirituality is, is a search for your innermost being to know who you are and to refine who you are and to learn self-love and to love humanity and to love spirit and it's the greatest journey of all journeys that there are and people do seek it in religion some people may find it there some people may find it in music some people may find it in the art they create but really what it is is a connection to spirit to the creative force of energy and also to our physical life to do well as a human being and to merge all of this uh, truth of who we are as spiritual beings having a physical life. And I, I think that's why you were able to go to different extremes, you know, as a Marine and, and being in the Justice Department where you saw so much, um, what can I say, <laughs> criminality, <laughs> so much yes, so yes, ugliness yes. or evil. And uh, I found in doing hospice work as I was developing my intuitive healing gift and mediumship I I wanted to help people understand who they were as eternal soul beings and I did hospice for eight years and I helped a lot of people during that uh, transition, the families and the people. So I kind of think yeah, that you were looking for the same thing, and you would do whatever you had to. If you had to travel, if you had to go, uh, like the monks, go into the mountains, into nature, to make this connection, you were ready to do that. And so was I, but really for us, we had to stay in the world and use this gift, this understanding to help people. And uh, I think that's just what we're doing. But let's go on to what is the best tool for improving a marriage. I started off saying that 65% of the marriages are falling apart because I don't think people understand what a commitment is any longer. It's much easier to run away from the problem than to work through your own needs uh, before going into another situation that probably probably will repeat the same scenario. So uh, most people think it's learning how to communicate in a clearer, more honest way. What do you think? <laughs> I was actually going to mention that. You do hear that a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I've worked with Anthony Robbins' company and certified as a, a marriage counselor as well. And it kind of is the stereotype that people say you need to communicate better. But that's really uh, absolutely just kind of just a cliche, but it's it's mm-hmm. not true. In fact, people communicate very well. And when they do, they often say the things that people remember for many years because it was so so clear and so hurtful. So it's not the communication. It's uh, the, the number one tool that's actually been shown to have the biggest impact on marriages 
taking it from that chance of divorce that's that's very high to one in chance in uh, even less than one in a thousand is when couples actually pray together on a daily basis. And the reason for that, it's very difficult to to pray together if you're upset with somebody or have hurt feelings. And when you tap into that spiritual aspect and truly pray from your heart together, there, there's going to be healing that takes place and there's going to be a connection that takes place. So some of the other the tools out there that can be helpful are thinking about each other's needs and things, that, uh, how you can meet those needs. But if, there, if there's one thing that couples could do is begin to pray together five minutes a day. And, and during that time to pray about things, that, what are three things we're grateful for? And maybe then what are some people we could pray for besides ourselves yes. as well as each other? And that uh, has the most impact than any other tool. I like that a lot. Pray for yourself. Pray for those you love. Pray for those you don't even know who are suffering throughout the world. Just be in a, a unified oneness state uh, of of trying to find the goodness in yourself and in life. And, you know, there is a book I read a long time ago. It's called The Five Love Languages. It was by Gary Chapman. And he explains how sometimes you're trying to show love to a person, but it's not what they need. You were just saying we have to find what a person needs. You may have grown up in a in a home where people said, I love you and you're wonderful and and you need that from your husband. But he didn't grow up in a home like that. He grew up in a home where service was important. If you go to the laundry or if you cook breakfast or, you know, he thinks service and he wants to give you service, but you, you, you need to hear the words or you need presents, gifts, because that was important. So we really have to also understand the language that another person understands and try to, yeah, give them what they need also. And then they'll know what we need. And that's, that's a big part of learning to look beyond yourself to be selfless and to uh, understand that we're all so unique, we're all so different, and we might just be missing the mark by not understanding. A little thing like that can make a big shift. Now, I thought about this a lot. In my book, The Living Spirit, I wrote, Life is about loving what is, which is never perfect, just a state of conscious change if we forget about perfection and just be we will find love in our journey everything is perfect for self-discovery thus perfection is the ability to accept imperfection there is no normal or abnormal and no one way to live love or develop our own personal paths we are all dealing with wounds from this as well as previous incarnations, and as such are wounded citizens of the cosmos. So when we know that, we can be a little kinder to ourselves and to others, and, and we can really watch. We don't even have to ask them what they need. If we're paying attention, we're going to see through body language and what they reject and what they accept, what is valuable, and it's easy to do what make people happy if we're just really paying attention. Now, let's go on to how do you tap into the intelligence of the heart? 
you know, the heart and mind are very connected. Uh, all the cells of our body are actually very connected, and one one part is wounded, another part doesn't function well. So the brain and heart, as you say, are very connected. So how do we use that awareness to work with people and to love people so more? Is, yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's uh, something developed by HeartMath, and what they do is they, they recognize in studies that uh, in the womb the, the heart develops before the brain and so there's tremendous intelligence in the heart and what they did is they started to do scans on a person's brain waves and their heart waves and if somebody's in a negative state angry frustration or fear the brain waves and the heart waves are kind of scattered mm. and they're very different looking than each other if a person is in perfect peace if they feel love if they're completely calm the brain waves and the heart waves are in sync and they make a very beautiful pattern than just a normal rhythm. So the idea of heart math is how do you then maybe not just wait for that to happen, but can you actually cause your heart waves and brain waves to go in sync and feel peace? And you certainly can. It takes about two minutes, but it's a simple technique. You just place both hands on your heart. Uh, some people can feel their pulse when they do that. Others maybe won't be able to. But it's uh, the important thing is just put both hands on your heart and you just breathe a little slower, a little deeper than normal, and you just think of something you're grateful for. Mm. And you kind of step into that moment, and if you feel that gratitude, you think of one more thing and feel that gratitude. And third thing that you feel gratitude for, as you do that, you're actually physically then causing your brain waves, heart waves to go in sync. But then emotionally, you're going to feel the peace, the love. So a lot of people think emotions kind of just happen to them, but for most of it, we do emotions. Yes, we're, we we're about, creating it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That we focus on the, yeah. the picture of mind, how vivid that picture is, how much we uh, repeat that vision in our mind or that thought. But if you just take a, a moment, hand on the heart, close your eyes, breathe a little deeper, feel gratitude if they then checked your brain scan and heart scan you'd see they would match that person would have a identical scans between the two and they would say i feel very peaceful right now yes that's so wonderful again, that's a, yes, and, absolutely and we can suggest it to our listeners to do this many times during the day it's a good thing to keep yourself in balance and especially when you see uh, other people maybe draw, trying to draw you into their drama to just go into your own way of keeping yourself in sync, your heart and mind in rhythm. That's a, a wonderful – and it, it doesn't take long to do either, as you said. But I, I want to mention something that you wrote about because I've always thought about this. I know in the Bible they say when you marry – you should create your own family unit and parents should take a step a little bit backwards and allow you to do that. But I see in modern day culture here in the United States at least, many parents don't allow their children 
to become independent, and it's a very necessary thing. And you wrote about Shalom Arush, a marriage counselor in the Middle East who shared the two most important keys to a successful relationship. She said, spend an hour a day in prayer for the health of your marriage and never criticize your wife, <laughs> which some men have learned to do. I have seen this. And it, it is. she also wrote, it is about leaving the boy and becoming the man you are meant to be. And one of the earliest texts in scripture says a man is to leave his mother and father and be united with his wife. You don't need your mother to tell you what a good boy you are, and your wife certainly doesn't want to be your mommy. So uh, John Gray also, he's an author um, who I've interviewed, also uh, says that there is no greater gift than you can give a man than giving him a task that he can carry out for you or that he can accomplish. So this is two different ways to look at the same thing, to encourage people to be united and form their own unit of love and a family, and to doesn't mean you're forgetting about your parents and your upbringing. It just means you have another obligation at the moment, and your parents should want you to accept that, but I see many do not allow that. Uh, so people out there are listening. Some of them will certainly know what we're talking about here. So a man bonds through action, and a woman bonds through being allowed to create and nurture her own unit. So we need to keep those two things in mind. Now, you had some very, very powerful stories in your book. Uh, which two would you like to share with us uh, that were inspirational? And also, I would say they were like miracles or they were uh, like, um, how, how do I say it, um, intervention from the divine. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think the, the one that's really spoke to me the most is Ken Gaba. In fact, when I first heard his story, I contacted his office to say, you know, is this accurate or is this embellished? And they assured me it's uh, absolutely happened the way it's been shared, the way it's been written. I got permission to, to share it, so I'm grateful for that from uh, his uh, ministry. But he was a musician and traveled around the country singing. But after doing that for a few years, he, he felt uh, – Nobody really was responding to the the outreach he had, and so he was going to resign from the band, and they had no idea. And they were traveling, and they were in a bus that the group was sharing, and they stopped at an exit, and the the group got off the bus to go to a gas station to get something to, to eat, get something to drink. He stayed on the bus and, and just feeling depressed feeling like he didn't have any direction and that he wasn't making an impact in other people's lives, trying to figure out how he was going to tell everybody he was quitting. As he sat on the bus for a few minutes, he decided to, to get off the bus, go get a drink at the gas station. As he walked into the parking lot, the phone began to ring. He picked it up, and the person said, is this Ken Gobb? And his first reaction was that this was some sort of a, a prank being pulled. <laughs> and he said on the phone, is this some kind of joke? And they said, it's not a joke, it's an emergency. And another voice on the phone said, I, I believe that's him. And, and he realized there was an operator connecting him with somebody else. They connected him. This person came on the line and began to explain that they were suicidal. They were in another state. They saw a TV show, 
pre-recorded where he was singing. This person said, God, if uh, you connect me with that man on TV, then I won't take my life. She said she saw numbers in her mind. She dialed those. Mm. That was the payphone that he was walking by. And he told her, he said, this is impossible. He was actually in Ohio. He explained his uh, office was in California. This lady was in Texas. And he said, this is simply impossible. And they both realized it was that divine intervention. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he was able to talk to this person. They both realized God was very intimately involved in both their lives. She felt uh, relief from all the depression. He stayed with uh, the band, wrote a book, God's Got Your Number, and mm -hmm. uh, just a, a tremendous story. So that'd be uh, the first one. The, the second one is a story that kind of made headlines a few years ago. It was a wonderful just outcome. 12-year-old girl, unfortunately, was kidnapped in Africa. It was five men, and whether she was going to be... Uh, sold into slavery or they were going to uh, you know, capture yeah. for ransom. You know, they hadn't decided yet, but after they had traipsed her through the jungle for a week, she got a chance to escape and she went off running. These five men began to chase her out of nowhere. A pride of lions came out, attacked these men. She was able to keep running. She ran to the road. She collapsed on the road and began to cry. The, the men could see her on the road. They, they kept trying to figure out a way to reach her, but then the lions came down and laid down on the road close to her and wouldn't let these guys get anywhere near her. Eventually, a, a police car drove by, saw what was happening, took the girl into custody. The men were arrested, made worldwide news, and the reporters asked the police chief what he had to say. He said it's obviously obviously a miracle, and he said those lions have never been seen again. Of course that not. Where they saved that girl. <laughs> of so, course not. They so, were yeah. angelic <laughs> lions of another dimension, Absolutely. and it was a miracle. <laughs> yes. Well, this is a good place for me to say, yes, I love that story, too. Uh, recently, <laughs> I was interviewed by Ruth Anderson. Uh, she's doing uh, a women's summit on enlightened women living uh, their spiritual path, and I was interviewed, and she... Uh, told me that in meditation she was told that right now 500,000 angels are on the planet working with us to help create miracles to help people once again remember that their souls having a physical life and to connect us to the universal source or the creative force whatever you wish to kill to, to call it and you know as a Reiki energy healer I have and do witness miracles large and small all the time and recently, uh, uh, must be now two months ago, there was a boy who was thrown from the third floor of a mall in Minnesota. And I, uh -huh, yes. uh, you, are you aware of that? Yeah. And I saw his, yes, uh -huh. I saw his beautiful, light, smiling face on uh, Twitter, and I started to cry. And I sent energy every day for weeks, and I could feel how hurt he was and and how bad it was and one day on twitter i saw he was alert and recently i just saw again he is out of intensive care and i thank god for the miracle because i think he has something important to do in this world and um there were probably lots of people sending healing and praying for him people who didn't even know him
But, oh, absolutely, yes. But there it is. It's all around us. And, and for those out there, we want them to have an understanding that you need to focus your thoughts, your words, your actions on things that are really meaningful because we are creating our life. We are creating the world that we live in. And I want to thank you, Pastor Tobin Crenshaw, author of Beautiful Lies, Finding Faith in a World Gone Mad, for a most expansive and truthful rendering of stories on your personal journey, beginning as a military police officer, probation officer, and mentor to those who transitioned from prison to halfway houses, and also for your interest in religious training and many interactions with people who suffered unimaginable challenges on the edge of divorce, of contemplating suicide, or being unable to reach a goal, and also for the many depressed people who do finally find peace of mind through guidance, sensitive guidance like you offer. Uh, you have produced a book that brims with wisdom and has quotes and stories of leaders throughout history seeking to know both human and divine nature. And to learn more of these amazing feats of courage and love and to purchase the book, go to PastorTobinCrenshaw.com. In summarizing today's episode, we have traveled the often untraveled path of engaging our own self-doubt so we find that within us is an alignment through our soul and faith to a higher universe of love and eternal life, and we can build with resilience and hard work the way to loving life and living out our dreams. Pastor Tobin Crenshaw has expressed this eloquently and wrote, It is widely accepted that there is a vast difference between a justice system and a legal system. The latter is what we have. The former is what we wish was true. From politicians to judges to religious leaders and managers of financial institutes, it seems the further we go along in history, the more people move away from the north or the true arrow of destiny. Yet amidst all this, there is an answer, but it will take effort on our part. It will take becoming better. It will mean moving from belief to action and committing to unlearning much of what we have been programmed to believe. Pastor Tobin and I would have you remember that as an energy being resonating in the love of spirit and guided through the whispers of inspiration from the many great thinkers, artists, spiritualists, musicians, healers, and divine souls, it is never too late to make choices that will bring you closer to what makes your heart sing and brings a smile to adorn your face. It could be as easy as finding gratitude and faith in unabounded abundance. Let us become what we already are, divine. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and invite you to visit my website to read about and listen to authentic leaders in the metaphysical fields of science, spirituality, energy medicine, psychology, and indeed all walks of life as we try to balance our energetic soul essence and our physical lives for greater health, prosperity, 
and the creation of personal and collective growth. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.